Facebook or YouTube this week where Matt Redman was leading worship in uh, New York City in Times Square. Can you believe it? And there were like thousands of people singing along with them. And um, they were singing this song, 10,000 Reasons. So we're going to sing along with them in spirit. And um, we're going to praise the Lord together.
Amen, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. May we always live forever under your reign. Lord, we come before you. We want to just take some time to confess, to examine our hearts, to be quiet with you. Lord, we're so hungry. I think the events of this week just show us as a people that we're broken before you. And we're so hungry.
Father, thank you so much for meeting our every need. Because you are so good. You are good, a good God and a good Father. So we come before you, Lord. We want to praise you and lift you up and declare that you are good. Amen. Is God good? Amen. All the time. And all the time. I've heard a thousand stories. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, I've seen many searching for us. You call me 
Church, can you join me by greeting one another? Well, again, good morning and welcome to Harvest Community Church. We really treasure your presence with us here this morning, and we're just so thankful for you that you're here. Uh, I just want to continue to remind you that we have a, our welcome card that's attached, if you'd tear it out, and... If you have any prayer requests, we, we certainly love to hear from you, or if, as particularly if you're visiting with us today, uh, please fill this out so we can get to know you better. Uh, you know, the, the first announcement, it, it's, it's really kind of backwards because it says congratulations to Andy and Kelly, but it's all of us that should be congratulated because we're, 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 so, we're so blessed to have them to be able to serve, service us or here at church. And, you know, it, I, I can't even think of two people that are more likable and friendly and so we're just thrilled that they have chosen and decided to serve us here at our church. Um, we want to keep them in our prayers, though, and not just this week, but throughout the year. And as they serve, serve them, the more we pray for them, the more that God will bless them. And the more that God blesses them, they'll be able to make changes for our church. We hear so much about administration changes and, and hope for the future. And, and that's what they bring for us here at Harvest. They bring new ideas, new excitement, and new energy. And we want to pray that God continues that drive and, and, and that, that uh, momentum that we'll get by them joining our, our, our leadership here. So please keep them in our prayers as we go through, especially for this week. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray that they have a great day today. You know, just keep them in your prayers, and, and God will hear that. And I do believe it makes a difference. And, and to be reminded that we want to keep all of our leadership in our prayers as we move forward into this year. Going down the list, uh, uh, we continue to take pictures for our, our church directory. Uh, look for a friendly photographer, not the unfriendly one, out, out in the front. Uh, if you'd like help with Operation, oh, if you'd like to help uh, with Operation Christmas Child, uh, they, they look for people to help in the warehouses, and, and Carol has coordinated that in the past where they, they get people to help uh, move some of that stuff. So really great opportunity. You talk about uh, doing things to get you into, I guess, the Christmas mood or into the holiday spirit. Nothing's better than to be able to serve for something like this. Seniors will have their study on November 17th at 1215 at Irvine Press. And the park will be meeting this Saturday, November 19th, 7 to 9. Uh, bring a friend. And if you have any questions, you can always talk to Ben or any of the leadership there. And, oh, next week, uh, please join us for our annual Thanksgiving luncheon. Oh, and this is important. Uh, I think a lot of you got the Evite in the mail. Uh, please RSVP, because I think I, uh, by tomorrow, as a matter of fact, because uh, the people that are in charge have to order the food and they need to know how many people are going to come. And want to, they don't want to order too much or too little. They want it to be just right. And so uh, please help them out. And if you haven't done so, please uh, uh, put it on there. I know on the RSVP it all says bring your favorite dessert. And so I, 
not everyone, but I'm sure if each family brought some dessert, it'd be more than enough, and probably have to take some home, but that's okay. So uh, please do RSVP, uh, by, if not this afternoon, uh, certainly by tomorrow. And save the date, uh, December 17th, we are heading down to Mexicali, as we always do each year, to service the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the kids down there. We get them gifts. There's several kids in the group that, for some of them, I, I know that this is only, only the real gift that they're going to get, uh, a real tangible gift, I guess, they're going to get for this Christmas time. So it, it's just a really special time that we, we do to go down there. And if you have any questions, uh, and there, there, are, there are logistics that are involved, so um, please come see me if you have any doubts or, or questions about it. Uh, feel free to contact me anytime. And with that, we'll, we'll head on to our, our, our message for today. You know, I, I know over the past few weeks, we, we, we started our series on the Lord's Prayer, and you know, for me, this, is, this, this prayer is a real comfort because even after teaching Sunday school for so many years, participating in leadership in the church and just doing, doing various tasks, I still have a hard time praying. And, and even, if my, my, even if it gets quiet for once in my house, I'm able to go outside, I'm still not sure what to pray for. And this prayer gives me comfort because no matter what, I could pray just as Jesus taught me to pray. And, and man, it's been really great to hear the different messages we got from uh, uh, our pastors over the last few weeks. And then we're going to continue on the series and, and just bring this prayer even more to life to understand what it means. And, and as we look at today's part... Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Good morning. I'd like you, before I begin the message, to look in your bulletin again, and you'll see another flyer there. And um, this flyer um, has a picture of a book on it called Living the Christian Year. And on the other side, it's describing what this book is about. Um, this is going to be very important to us over the next year because we're going to be using this book as a guide to help us through not only our Sunday messages, but also as an encouragement for your daily walk with God. And if you just read it later on, you'll see that what this book is about is helping us to see what the Christian year is about. How many of you ever heard of the Christian year? Only a few of us, right? How many of you ever heard of a lectionary? Okay, a few more. How many of you heard of the common book of prayer? Okay, a few more. Okay, so this is basically for all of us. We're going to be learning something new here. And so throughout the history of the church, for hundreds and hundreds of years, um, there has been a Christian year that begins. When do you think the Christian year would begin? Easter? Advent? Advent. It would begin with Jesus' birth. And so the Christian year begins with Advent. And so we're going to begin this series. This is actually a year-long series um, beginning in two Sundays, November 27th. And so we'd like you to just read this. And then we would like to ask everybody to purchase a copy for their family. Okay? Um, and, you know, you can get it by regular book. You can get it by ebook, whatever works for you. Because you'll be able to use it to follow along in weekly devotions. And you'll also be able to see what's coming up in the series as we go through it. And so we'll be following the Christian year. Now, the, some of the things that you've heard of, how many of you heard of Advent? Right? Just about all of us. How many have heard of Lent? You know, all of us. How many have heard of Easter? Okay, all of us. So, how many of you have heard of Ordinary Time? A few of us, all right. So, how many have heard of Epiphany? A few more, okay. 
So there are those seasons in the Christian year that we know much about, Advent, Lent, Easter, but there are the other ones that we know very little about, Epiphany and what's called Ordinary Time. And so we are going to be looking into this over the coming year to understand how our faith in Jesus is impactful in our lives and in our world. Because the Christian year is about Christ's year. And we'll be looking at both the Old and the New Testament to see how the whole Bible points to Jesus and how today as we look at Jesus and live his life, our year becomes his year. Our day becomes his day. Our time is his time. And so we want to encourage you to do that, and you'll be hearing more about it next week, and then we'll begin the series again the week after. So, so look into that, um, and please do. Purchase a book, one for, at least one per family. Well, we've been in um, a short series on the Lord's Prayer, and this series has been in, included in our, our way of thinking because of our desire to live a life of Sabbath to live a life that really follows after what God wants for us. And today we're going to look at not only what God wants for us, but what we want for our own lives. What are the things that we need for our own lives? Now, as we begin this, this, today's message, there's something that we all need. And we all need a bulletin, okay? So we all need a bulletin and we all need sermon notes, all right, so, so if you don't have um, sermon notes or a bulletin, would you raise your hand? And they'll pass on. There's some up here, up here, and over here. Raise your hand. Just keep your hand up until you get one, okay? Because everybody needs um, this today, and you'll understand why later. So what is it? What is it that you really need in life? The Lord's Prayer covers this for us. And we were looking at it over the last two weeks about what God's kingdom is about. We've been focusing on God and worshiping him in the first part of the Lord's Prayer. It is God's name. It is God's kingdom. It is God's will that is first and foremost in our prayers. We want God's will to be done. But now, as we go into the second half of the prayer, you'll notice that it says it's talking about us, about our needs, about the things that we would want to have in our lives that we are to ask God for. So, so what is it that you really need? Just think about that for a moment. And then ask yourself this, do I have it? Do you already have it? What you think you really need? And God knows. God knows what we need. And yet God tells us to ask for the things that we need. Why would God ask us to pray about something he already knows? Why do you think God would ask us to pray for something that he already knows? God is our good father, as we just sang. And as our Father and as our Heavenly Father, He wants to take care of us. But He still wants us to ask Him for things. He still wants us to be in this conversation with Him. Imagine that um, as a parent or as a kid, that you've, you've saved up a lot of money for your children. You've, you've got an inheritance that's growing for them. And so let's say that they want it. And so you give it to them and they take it. And they have it in the bank. 
and they have their ATM card. And whenever they need money, they can walk to the bank or drive to the bank and they can get whatever they need. But they get everything they always need because you've already given everything to them. But they no longer want to spend time with you. They no longer want to come to you and, and enjoy your company because they have your stuff. They have your resources. They have your money. Now, think about our Heavenly Father in that way. He's promised us an eternal inheritance. But that inheritance, we have yet to fully receive all of it. And while we are on earth, he promises to take care of all of our needs. But he will do that day by day. And it's because he wants us to be in this relationship with him where we come to him and we ask him for the things that we truly need. And we build a relationship with a loving Father who teaches us that as we receive the things we need, not only do we receive that, but we receive something so much more valuable as our heart grows closer to God and as our hearts grow closer to one another. And so as we look at this very short part of the Lord's Prayer in verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The first part talks about our daily needs. And what God is teaching us here is the thing that we really need is, is something that is kind of intangible in the sense that it has to be our attitude. It has to be our faith. See, what we really need, we think we, what we really need is bread. What we think we really need are those needs. And yes, those things are important. But there's something even more important beyond that, deeper than that. And there's the same thing that a parent wants to have with their child, and that is they want to see that their child has this relationship that recognizes their dependence upon them. That God wants us to have a dependent spirit upon him. He wants us to recognize how much we need him every day, and he is always there. So when God gives us his, his answers to our prayers, he wants us in this dependent spirit to know that everything, everything comes from the Father's hand. Just think of everything that you have right now. The clothes that you're wearing, your glasses, the pen or pencil that you're holding, the car that you came here in, the shoes that you may have walked here with, your home that you came, that you drove away from, the breakfast that you had or the donuts that you had when you came in or the coffee that you're still drinking. The Bible says that everything, everything comes from God. Everything. In fact, whenever we give anything away to anybody, we're giving what God has already given to us. There's a lot of times we think when we bring our offering or we, we bring our service to God that maybe, you know, we're giving a portion of what, what we deserve, that we earned, and now we're just offering it back to God. But it's really not that way. All we're doing is giving back to God the thing he already gave to us. We're only giving back to God all the blessings that out of his great inheritance he gives to us every day. King David was getting ready to build the amazing temple that Solomon and his son would later finish. And so David is supplying so much out of his own personal reserves, out of his treasury, out of all the stuff that God had already given to him. 
And he starts giving all of this to God's temple. And when the people see David's generosity, they copy his example. And so they start giving more and more too. In 1 Chronicles 29, 14, you have that verse there on the on sidebar on the left, on your outline. Would you read it with me? It's 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Let's say it together. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What we give to God is only what God has already given to us. And God wants us to know that everything, everything comes from him. The second thing that God would want us to see and that Jesus is teaching us is that he wants us to focus on what we truly need, not just the luxuries of the things that are around us. Daily bread represents the things that everybody needs. We all need clothing. We all need shelter. We all need some form of work so that we can have the money that is needed to be able to do other things in life that we still need, like buy medicine or take care of ourselves. God is not ignorant to what we truly need, but he doesn't want us to be so focused on the things way beyond what we need that we lose thankfulness for the things that we tend to take for granted. Our daily necessities are so important to God. And every day, when you break that egg for breakfast or you eat whatever it is, that cereal, or you have your sandwich at lunch or you eat your steak at dinner or you drink some water in the day or you go to the gym to work out or you get into your car, or you walk into your home, you come into this building, everything that you're breathing is air that God gave to us. And so everything God has given to us, he wants us to stay focused on the most necessary things that we have. And then from that, he wants us to be responsible people. And so when we are, have a dependent spirit on God, it doesn't mean we do nothing. It means that we respond. We respond, and as we live one day at a time. So God's going to supply my daily bread. God supplied the daily bread for Jesus. God supplies the daily bread for farmers. This week, if you read the blog that I sent out, um, I sent a picture of one of my favorite TV shows. And if you read the blog, what's my, one of my favorite TV shows? Little House on the Prairie. Not everybody read the blog, I can tell. All right. So, um, so Little House on the Prairie is one of my favorite TV shows. And one of the themes running throughout that show is that they are supposedly a Christian family living off the ground as farmers. And they go through all kinds of problems in life. And they are always seeking to have their daily needs met. And one of the most basic needs is food. And God wants us to be thankful, but he also wants us to work. But they didn't just get food. It didn't fall from the sky for them. They had to plant. They had to water. They had to weed. They had enemies. They had to fight against their enemies. There were daily things to protect themselves. They had to make shelters. They had to overcome storms of life, and we will too. So all because God meets our daily needs doesn't mean we don't have any responsibility. God wants us to trust him. He will provide it, but we must still work. In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 16, we read the story where God's people had left Egypt, and they're on their way to the promised land in the middle of the desert, and they've run out of food. 
and God provides food for them. And it's called manna. And it's flakes that have fallen down from heaven. And when they get to the ground, the people are instructed by Moses, who had been told by God that every day, except for the Sabbath day, except for Saturday, they were to go and they were to get up in the morning and they were to gather enough food for that day, but only enough for that day. And if they gathered too much and they tried to hoard it, in the night it would turn into maggots. And in the morning it would obviously be smelly. And God was teaching them that in this case manna bread did fall from the sky, but they still had to get up in the morning and they still had to harvest it. But they could only take enough for the day, except for Friday, when they took twice as much as what they needed. Why? Because God did not want them to work on the Sabbath day. And so God wants us to find rest, but on the other days, he wants us to also work. And there is a responsibility. And that responsibility is not just about us, but about our other people. It's not about me, I mean, but it's about us. It's about our ability to give to others. That's why when we look at this, we see that throughout this prayer, it is in the plural. It is our bread, our debts. And God wants us to focus not just on the need that I have, but the needs that other people have as well. God wants us to focus on giving out of our lives and out of all the resources that God has given to us and the strength to give to others. And so as Al said, Mexicali is coming up on December 17th. And I want to encourage you to come to that. And in a couple weeks or soon, we'll be getting the names, and you'll be able to pick names and buy gifts for the children that are at the Salvation Army Mexicali. And that's a great thing, and I know we, we always have enough people to do that. But I want to encourage you that if you haven't gone to Mexicali before, sign up and go. It's a day that you will enjoy. It's a day you will remember. It's a day where you'll be able to give. And also, as I'll share there, you can sign up to help serve with Operation Christmas Child. And the warehouse is going to be in Irvine again this year. So we have no excuses. And so God has given us the opportunity to serve. And if you can't serve on those days, you can actually just go, especially during the weeknights, because they always have needs. You can just go on your own. You don't have to sign up. They'll always let you in. At least that's been my experience. Is that God wants us to know that we are to give out of what we have. All of it, everything God has given to us is a gift. And it is an opportunity for us to give thanks to God. I won't ask you to raise hands here, but I want you to think about this. How many of you say grace before you eat a meal? How many of you say grace before you eat a meal? This is what I want to ask you to do. I want you to make a commitment to always say grace before you eat a meal. And I, I mean that when you're at home, Especially, you can pray out loud. Someone can say the prayer, thanking God for the food. But I also mean it when you're out in public. And, and I really want to encourage you to do this. Even starting today, when you go out to lunch, if you go out to lunch at a restaurant, if you're comfortable, hold hands and say grace. But bow your heads. And if you're uncomfortable talking out loud, then just say, we're all going to bow our heads and say grace. And you can talk to God privately and 
without words. But if you can, have somebody say grace out loud. That will, if you make that commitment to do that every day, you'll remind yourself, probably at least three times a day, some people maybe more, <laughs> that God has given that to you. Our daily bread. Because that's all we really need is our daily needs. And he takes care of that. And Jesus goes on. And he talks about something else that, you know, it, it's so important to realize our physical needs. And Jesus is talking about that. But in the second part here of the part about the hour prayers, about what's for us, Jesus says that he wants us to forgive us, to ask God and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is about our spiritual lives. The first one is about our physical lives. But this one is about our spirit, what's inside of us. You know, I can eat great food. I, I can just have great health physically. But if I don't have my spirit being healthy, it doesn't really matter how healthy my body is. God wants us to have both. He wants to have healthy bodies as best as we can do. He wants to care of our needs. But he wants us to have a forgiving spirit as well. And a forgiving spirit would be expressed by, by being able to confess one's own need for God's grace. A forgiving spirit is one that confesses one's own sinfulness and receives God's grace. And that's the first part of verse 12. And forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts. And when we say it in this way, we are remembering that everybody sins. But we are first acknowledging that I sin. That I need God's forgiveness. That I'm acknowledging that I know I'm a broken, weak person. I'm not better than anybody else. I have a log in my own eye. I have a sin that other people can't see, but God does. And God wants me, and he wants you, and he wants us to confess our own sinfulness and receive his grace. Now, this prayer here is about what happens every day of our lives. Now, there was a moment in time when each of us came into salvation with Jesus, probably through a time of confessing our sins to God. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about our daily need for cleansing. Our daily need for cleansing. We all sin. We can't avoid it. We don't want to. We do the things we don't want to do, Paul says. But we do sin by our attitudes and by our actions. And so God wants us to confess those sins to him as we're aware of them and receive the grace and knowing that he forgives us. He does forgive us. But he also wants us to cover over the sins that other people have done. And give God's grace to them. To cover over the sins that other people have done. And to give God's grace to them. It's a, it's a hard, hard saying here that Jesus gives to us. He tells us as we pray that if we don't forgive other people, God won't 
forgive us. That's scary. That's scary. But after the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, and you can see that there on your outline. Would you read that out loud with me? Matthew 6, 14 and 15? Let's say it together. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's not many ways to try to spin that or to interpret it in a different way. It's really clear. And it's consistent through the scriptures. That God wants us to forgive other people. Now, notice that he doesn't say, this doesn't say, now, forgive us because we forgive our debtors. We are not earning God's forgiveness. What this is, is a flowing of the grace of God through us to other people. And that God wants us to forgive as we are living. To forgive men as God has forgiven us. That as we are constantly in need of forgiveness, so are other people constantly in need of our forgiveness as we have hurt them or as they have hurt us. A great, great book. And, and um, I, if you have a need or desire to know more about forgiveness or if you're struggling with forgiveness of somebody, this is the book I'd recommend. It's the finest book I've read on the topic of forgiveness. And the good news is look how little it is. All right? So it's not real long. You don't have to stay up long to read it. Um, and this book is written by David Augsburger, and it's called The Freedom of Forgiveness. And, and there's a newer version of it, an updated version, called The New Freedom of Forgiveness. But in this, uh, David Augsburger comments on Matthew 6.14 about where Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And he says this. And the man who refuses to forgive will not be forgiven because he has cut himself off from love and mercy. But the man who forgives opens his life to the free, gracious forgiveness of his Lord. God wants us to forgive because he's forgiven us. But if we don't forgive others, we haven't known the forgiveness of Jesus ourselves. When Jesus says, forgive us our debts, the word debt means sin. The word debt means that I have a failure to pay back what is due. Um, in Manhattan, I was in, uh, Carol and I were in Manhattan maybe about nine years ago, and we saw this, this, this clock, and I've never seen a clock like it, and it's still there. It's called the National Debt Clock, okay? And it's constantly, constantly moving. All right. And at that time, when this picture was taken, our national debt was $18 trillion. $18 trillion. All right. I, we can't even imagine what that's like. Now, if you go to the website for the National Debt Clock, you'll see that today it's approaching $20 trillion. $20 trillion. There's just no way to put that into pictures that we could fully understand. It is a debt we po find probably impossible to repay. That's our national debt. But there is something far greater than that. And that is our sin. And our debt before God. 
the debt of every person on this earth who has sinned against God. And that the debt, if there was a sin debt clock, it would just be spinning, 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 spinning all the time. And as great as our national debt would be, it's not even close to be comparing to the debt that we owe to God for all the sins that he's forgiven in our lives. And he's forgiven my sin. And if he's forgiven your sin, then we should cover over the sins of other people. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Above all, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So the question then in practice is how? How can I really forgive? The Bible says, forgive as freely as the Lord has forgiven you. How can we do that? Jesus, very simply, as so often he does, makes it really clear to us how we can do that. Again, you have Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28 on your outline. And it's right under, um, on the right side where it says, how can I really forgive? And these are Jesus' words on how we can really forgive. Let's say it together. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The first thing Jesus tells us to do is to do good to our enemies. To do good to those who have hurt us. To show love to somebody by doing good for them. God wants us to get out there and get out of our unwillingness and to actually reach out and do something good to someone else. They may be a very bad person. They may be a very evil person. But they're still a person. David Augsburger says this in his book, No one is too low to be an object of God's love. No one however evil, is excluded from the forgiveness of God, except as they exclude themselves by their own unrepentance. No one can be considered worthless when Christ, God himself, died for them. No one is unlovable. If God loves them, then God can love them through me. I want to ask you to try to be Honest right now. Who is somebody that you need to forgive? Who is somebody that has hurt you? Somebody that you're mad at? Maybe somebody that you resent? Somebody that did something wrong to you? Whether or not, whether or not they had any good reason. God wants you and me to forgive those people. Sometimes it's sort of hard to, to do this, knowing, like, gosh, if I don't mean it, does it matter? If I, if I don't feel it, does it matter? And the answer to those two questions is yes, it matters. Because that's what Jesus says. It doesn't matter if you feel good about doing it. It doesn't even matter if you want to do it. What matters is if you do it. And so the second thing Jesus says is, bless them, bless them, be kind to them, and do not hold grudges. Bless them, be kind to them, and do not 
hold grudges. Wow, that is hard. That is very, very difficult. But Jesus said, while he was on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He blessed us. Even before we asked for forgiveness, he offered it to us. He was kind to us. There's a story of a lady named Renee, and we're going to see her story in just a second. Her name is Renee, and um, she has four children. She had four children. Two of them were twins. Uh, One of them, the twins, a young girl named Megan, was killed in a car accident um, by a drunk driver. The man who hit her and killed Megan, his name is Eric. And this story became known to a musician. His name is Matthew West. And Matthew West was so intrigued by her story and so touched by what she did that he wrote a song called Forgiveness. And so we're going to see this video now. Um, It's about five minutes long. And it'll show to us a story of somebody who was able to forgive even when some evil happened to her. Over the past few years, I've been on this journey of writing songs inspired by the real-life stories that people sent to me. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It hit me kind of hard. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Renee wrote to me and said, I now have a mission that I never would have chosen. What she meant by that is that in the years that follow, she began to travel around to schools and churches and different functions, and she would speak about the dangers of drunk driving. But as the years progressed, she felt like something was missing from her presentations. And that's when God put it on her heart that she had not forgiven this man who took the life of her daughter. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. Eric said he found his eternal salvation as a result of this act. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead, and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there, though. Renee went to the courts along with her family, and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. This blew me away. The reason she did it is so that Eric could have a second chance at life and so that he could join her in their presentations. She told me that now she shares not only about the dangers of drunk driving, but also 
about the power of forgiveness. Now the story behind this song is from someone right here in our area. We're going to let her tell the story. She won't know you're here. Are you comfortable with hiding? I'm comfortable with hiding. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nervous right you're now. You're too bold. I'm sorry. She has no, so idea. She has no idea I'm here. Yeah, no. she doesn't. She doesn't even. This is the thing. She um, she has no idea that that there's been a song written inspired by her story. I'm in another room, waiting to go in there and surprise Renee. I can see her on the video screen. She has no idea I'm in the room right next to her. And you submitted the story, I know, to uh, to Matthew West. It's a story that needs to be told, right. because not for me, it's not about me, it's about God, and yeah. it's about forgiveness. And so I thought, well, I'm just gonna chance this. And I send it in and I just prayed, you know, God, if this is supposed to happen, then I just, you know, hope that it will. You know, we know Matthew and uh, he wrote a song about your story. No way. <laughs> Matthew has sent us the song because he wanted you to be one of the first people to hear it. <laughs> oh my God. Are you ready to hear it? Yes. It's called Forgiveness. It's called Forgiveness. seen him in concert or no, did you and I wanted to see him I he was you know I tried to go see him when he was in West Palm because I thought that I would have a presentation down there and right. I thought During and the then story of course of you know, tour? yeah yes uh, no actually I don't know if it was that he, he he tried you know he's like right. um they sent out a thing if you're going to be in any of these cities and they were all too far away and then when he was right. at the uh, thing mm -hmm. in Orlando I thought well I'm gonna you know go see him you know then right. and I had to go present so you so. never could make the connection never with him could, personally. never could. never seen him no <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He forgave even before we asked him. David Augsburger again says these words. If you hold back forgiveness until the offender deserves it, forget it. That's not forgiveness. Forgive immediately. Forgive when the first hurt is felt. The one who follows Christ in life hurries to forgive quickly, unhesitatingly. Not just because it's safest for your selfhood and sanity, but for the deeper reason. It is the way of Christ. Christ's way was the way of forgiving even before asked. And even when it was not or never would be asked by the other. Some of the words in the song Forgiveness by Matthew West 
says this, show me, and this is the prayer, show me how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. It'll clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through the eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. Forgiveness is a gift that God has given to us. And it is a gift that when we give it to others, we receive it back at the same time. And so bless those and be kind to those who have hurt you. Thirdly, Jesus tells us to pray, to pray for those who mistreat you, to pray for them. And in that prayer, ask God to help you to forgive them. But pray for them, pray for their forgiveness, pray for what is good for them. There's been, I can really only think of two people in my life who have really hurt me deeply. And and one of them um, I, I could do nothing about because he just did not want in any way to reconcile. And I was struggling, and I was reading these books, How Do You Forgive? And when I read that I should be praying for this man, it's like, no, I don't want to do that, God. But he lived right off the freeway where I lived, and his house was just right on the side of the freeway, so pretty much daily Often, I drive by his house. And so what I would do is, at first, not really meaning it very much, but at least trying, is when I drove by his house, I would just raise my hand and point it towards his house and ask God to help him and to bless him. And through that painful and difficult and sometimes seemingly insincere action, God began to work in my heart. It's still a process that continues for all of us to learn how to forgive those who've hurt us deeply. I was at a coffee shop not far from my house around that time. And it had been a few months since the incidences and the problems had surfaced. And the second person walked into that coffee shop that day. And I was there with a friend. And we both saw this person walk in and he saw us and he walked right up to us. He walked right up to our table and he said, Curtis, I said, hi. He goes, Curtis, I, I'd like to ask for your forgiveness. What I did was wrong and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And by God's grace, I could say yes. I mean it. And I was sitting there with my friend, and my friend knew what had happened and knew who this person was, and we sat there, and we're like, did this just really happen? And it did. But it was by God's grace that he allows us to forgive those who have hurt us deeply. And we must pray for them. 
And the last thing we must do is we must tell them that we've forgiven them. This friend who walked in, he had been a great friend to me and to my family until these problems arose. He used to babysit our children for us. He served with me at the church. And I could tell him, yes, I forgive you. And God wants us to tell people we forgive them. They need to know that. It sets all of us free. So these are the four things. Well, now it comes to the post-it note. I'd like you to pull that out. And that's why you needed your bulletin. It's on your outline. If you've been forgiven by Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you, or if you want Jesus to forgive you, sign your name on the front of this. Just use your regular signature, that way nobody will be able to recognize it. Use your regular signature. And now on the back side, the part that has a little bit of sticky on it, I'd like you to just write a note to yourself. It, it can just be one letter. It don't, don't, don't write out the name. It could just be one letter of the person or the people that you need to forgive. And just write their initial or make some sort of symbol that identifies who that person is. We can be forgivers as Jesus forgives us. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. And Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Jesus gave his life so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have life. And when we take the bread of communion, we are taking the life that Jesus gave for us so that we could be forgiven. And so I think this is just so appropriate for us this day to acknowledge before God and his cross that we too are willing to forgive as he has forgiven us. And so we're going to take communion, and you'll go to the sides, and you'll take the bread, and you'll take the cup. But I want you to think on the back side, who is it that you need to forgive? Who is it that you will forgive? And to write an initial or some symbol to represent them. And then after you take communion, you go from the sides, and it will all come back through the middle. And then after you've done that, you can just put your sticky on the cross as an emblem and as a promise to God that you want to live like Jesus does and that his cross is our cross, that he died on it for us. He forgave our sins for us. 
He forgave the sins of the person you need to forgive. And so let this be a time of your walk with Jesus, of knowing what it was like for him to give. So when the Lord, on the night before he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then our Lord took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. We're going to listen to the full song of forgiveness during this time. And you'll be able to also see the words there. But I encourage you more than anything else to think about Jesus and about how much he's done to forgive you and for you to forgive others as you have received his forgiveness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your forgiveness and for your grace and for your goodness that we do not and cannot deserve. And Father, we pray that as we think of your forgiveness of us, so would we be ready and eager and rush to forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, we are all in the same place, at the foot of the cross. We all need your forgiveness. Thank you. Praise you. Love you for dying for us and giving everything that we need. In your name we pray. Amen. If you haven't already, you can hold the bread. And in this we have a reminder of our Lord's body, which was given for us. Let us take it in thanksgiving. And in the cup we have the new covenant of his forgiveness for us. Let us partake remembering our Lord's blood. Thank you, Father. To you be the glory and the honor forever and ever. Amen. Song, the 
just closing him to be a prayer in your hearts and your lives. This is the air. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. And I
Let us pray. Father, we indeed are desperate for you. And we thank you for giving us the bread of Christ, who gives us the forgiveness by grace. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live a life in this world that brings that forgiveness to others and to the world. We pray that you would use us as seed to bring about grace and love. And now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.